Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are. We are the we Classic are. Gaming Brothers. That's right. How are you this fine day? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. How are you this fine day? I'm doing all right. I was thinking of a fun opening zinger and it's gone. You know, sometimes we have good opening banter, good opening zingers, but I'll be honest with you, listener. Sometimes we don't, and that's fine. I mean, sometimes we have good episodes, and sometimes we don't. <laughs> that's true. We've had over, like, 165 episodes. If yeah. we have a couple in there with some crappy zingers, that's, you know, low percentage. Like, I'm going to say a majority of them have good zingers. I'm going to say a majority of them don't, right? I'm gonna <laughs> wow. Say, I'm going to say out of 165 episodes, I hope one of them is good. <laughs> Doug, I know you're listening. Tell us which ones have the best singers i need <laughs> a top right. 10 list you don't know how a producer works <laughs> no <laughs> because if we ask doug for a top 10 list we will be writing the top 10 list no i don't mean i mean he needs to just send us the top 10 zingers just for for reference we're not going to do an episode on our top 10 zingers no 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 a producer will just tell us to do it anyway seth tell me about the game that you've been enraptured by these last few days that has drawn you into uh the video world as we would call it i haven't really been enraptured by it and i was actually relatively disappointed by the game that i was recently been playing i was playing adventures of mighty max which for the snes developed by ocean software and released in 1994 uh it was also released for the second genesis i was playing the snes version i wanted to play it because i really like the Mighty Max uh, aesthetic. And if you are unaware of what Mighty Max is, it is a, a plastic toy that was originally released in Europe, and we got some version of it in the United States. They were like little play sets that you could have in your palm of your hand, and they would come with like a little plastic, it almost was like a little makeup thing that you would open up. It was a little plastic, but it was all plastic and maybe looked like a snake or like a skull. And inside it, there was like a tiny little play set for tiny little figures and they were great and i really like their aesthetic i think they look awesome then there was a cartoon called the adventures of mighty max that was also on television in both the uk and in the u.s then they made the adventures of mighty max based on the television show based on the toy based on the book no no book no book no oh mighty max was kind of like the people call it like the male version of Polly pocket yeah exactly i loved it i had a couple of sets i was really into them i feel like though since they originally launched in the uk uh like we were behind it and by the time that i was able to actually get sets uh it was like going out of popularity but i really liked the mighty max aesthetic never played the game so i decided to check it out and that was a mistake i'm i know this isn't like a retro rewind i say that's it's not like a retro rewind because I don't feel like I was playing Mighty Max because Zach was punishing me, but he could have. The controls for the game were just really off. Uh, and the worst thing about the game was whenever you jumped with your character, you would jump unrealistically high. So like this is a platformer, so I'm expecting the character to be able to jump maybe their height or double their height or maybe triple their height. Mighty Max jumps 10 times their height and in like a very quick speedy jump, which is not usable for the platforming. Uh, it's just rough to play it. And you're supposed to like move things around and solve puzzles while you're timed doing so. And I couldn't just get past the controls. I just, it was killer. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm jumping so high. It's one of those instances that where maybe I should have read the manual, but the controls were just really, really off. Ultimately, I was uh, stoked to play some game based on the Mighty Max franchise. And I was let down. So I would not recommend checking out Adventures of Mighty Max unless you want to be frustrated with being able to jump one million miles in the air. Fair enough. 
So Zach, what have uh, what have you been recently been playing? Well, Seth, because of the recently launched HBO uh, original series, The Last of Us, I have been playing The Last of Us Part Two, uh, which was the sequel developed by Naughty Dog and released in 2020 for the PlayStation 4 and PS5. I've been playing the PS4 version because I do not have a PS5. The game is a continuation of The Last of Us. Um, it's set five years after the first game and deals with the characters of Ellie, Joel, and some new characters such as a character named Dina and a character named Jesse. The primary story is about Ellie going on kind of a quest to get revenge on a group of individuals called the Washington Liberation Front who are located out of Seattle. Uh, Without going into too many details uh, because it gets pretty major spoilery pretty quickly, I will say that the game is very good. It's also very depressing so if you are not quite into incredibly heavy very personal stuff Um, you might want to maybe sit The Last of Us as a series out. Um, However, if you are comfortable with content that can be heavy in terms of some of the themes that it deals with, um, such as loss and uh, dealing with loss, and you're comfortable with that and you think that you can get some enjoyment out of a game that deals with those subjects, check out Last of Us and check out Last of Us Part 2. The Last of Us is one of my uh, favorite video games of all time, and Last of Us Part 2 is quickly gaining up there as being one of the best video games I've ever played. I will say that that it has some really neat elements of it that are different from the first game in that the the second game has not only some new infected that you get to deal with which is always fun but also the exploration has been toned up a bit it's, it's a bit different where in the first game I feel the game was very linear so it feels like you can explore but you really can't pretty much everywhere you go in the first game you go for a reason um, so you might be able to like enter a room differently or enter a different room or there's like a hidden room in the area but for the most part if you're in an area in the game you're supposed to be there for the plot in the last of us part two there are literally buildings that you can enter that have nothing to do with the story but they have their own story built into them which i think is really neat without going into spoilers there is this one moment where i broke into a window and climbed into a building and i found all these notes from these people who were on the run from this Washington Liberation Front, the WLF, also called the Wolves. Uh, These people were on the run from the Wolves, and then uh, you find a dead body, and it's assumed to be one of those people. And then you find a workbench, and as you start working at the workbench, someone grabs you, and you have to fight them off. And then you end up fighting these, like, four people who are in the room with you, and it turns out those are the people that were running away from the Wolves. And you wouldn't know who they were unless you picked up, uh, like, a piece of note that was in a different room that I just happened to break into by chance, which other games do that, right? That's not a unique thing to games. I think some Bethesda games even have some of that kind of side quest element to them, but this, it just feels differently because it feels a bit less forced upon you. I didn't stumble upon this quest because I talked to some guy and he told me, I'll put a marker on your map if you want to go check this out at your own leisure. I literally stumbled upon it because I broke a window into a building and climbed in. I feel like it has a bit more of a real to it in the sense that there are side quests but you unearth the side quests at your own pace and they're not really just kind of there for you they are part of the world and they're for you to find and i think that's kind of a cool way to do exploration in video games and it's one of the reasons why i'm really enjoying the game i will say the game is very creepy and it also kind of puts me on edge while i'm playing it so i can only really play it for a few like bursts at a time until i need to like decompress and do something a little less stressful but uh, that's the last of us part two it is currently available for the ps4 and ps5 and yeah 
check it out. Fun, 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 fun stuff. Anyway, in today's episode, we're going to talk about more fun stuff. We're going to talk about a company that was involved in developing a few edutainment titles for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. In fact, maybe a company that we've already talked about before and said we were going to do an episode on them. And here is that episode. Video games and educational materials have gone hand in hand for many years. Beyond your usual flair of arcade games, many early computers and early game systems have games that provided some form of educational content. And here's why. Because people were still trying to figure out what video games could do. And people also wanted to sell video games. And they also realized that people generally in the beginning viewed computers as a work thing or a like like a learning tool so how do you sell video games you make them a learning tool and then you put them on the work thing and then parents buy the video games and that's why edutainment kind of blended through because it was a convenient way to sell things now edutainment content came in a lot of different forms could come in a form like oregon trail which taught people how to leave your friends behind when uh, they break their ankles or get dysentery also oregon trail taught you if you were a banker and you bought lots of cows you really didn't need to uh, worry about stopping anywhere <laughs> <laughs> just let the cows die as you keep going yeah surprisingly if you have a lot of money in that game you do really well that's actually not surprising no that's just i know it's called sarcasm <laughs> Oh, yes. If if you have money in life uh, or Oregon Trail, you'll do fine. Or a game like Donkey Kong Jr. Math, which was Donkey Kong Jr. with math, because that's how you sell something twice. <laughs> By the 1990s, video games were starting to become a bit edgier. Mortal Kombat, Doom, Night Trap were all games that were causing a stir with their popularity and with their each respective controversy. It was around this time that Nintendo started to put out edutainment titles for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System because they didn't want to get caught in the crosshairs. They would be like, look at those edgy Mortal Kombat games. We're over here with Mario Paint. <laughs> so don't worry about us. So while Sega was being brought before Congress, Nintendo was making a shift away from violence and began to release titles that were more in line with what some may call edutainment. Now, as we've likely referred to before, edutainment is a portmanteau, one of my favorite words, of the word education and entertainment. Yes. It is often used to describe games or media that is designed to be both educational and entertaining. Some may even describe our podcast as edutainment. We often do. Are also a farce. Yeah, or a farce. We're just, you know, two brothers who don't really know anything. Right. We come off pedantic, which is like education, and we fight with each other, which is entertainment. That's true. Now, a game like Oregon Trail or Math Blaster would fall under edutainment as those games are arguably fun and arguably educational. Um, however, something like Encarta would not be an edutainment game because it's literally an encyclopedia that has a weird jester in it. So it might be fun because there's a weird jester in it, but Encarta is definitively not a video game. <laughs> now, some of the games that Nintendo released during this time included something like Fun and Games, which was kind of an activity suite of different things that you can do developed by Trade West, uh, Mario is Missing and Mario's Time Machine, two Mario-themed games, that were published by Software Toolworks, where you learned about geography and history, respectively. And there was also a series of Mario Early Years games. These catered to a preschool audience and taught them things like numbers, letters, and various other lessons that might be relevant as children are getting uh, into the age where they start going to school. There was also, of course, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, which were so impactful that we did a whole episode on those games. And of course... 
lastly, we couldn't forget the games that were released by Rea Systems. Now, Rea Systems originally was founded in 1988 by Steve Brown, a MediaTek entrepreneur, per his own LinkedIn. Also on his LinkedIn, he described kind of the nature of the founding of the company, which was that it was one of the first digital therapeutics companies, and they had hoped to find new ways to address major healthcare issues. And one of these ways was to publish video games that were health-related. Now, Rea Systems published four video games, Packy and Marlin, Bronchi the Bronchosaurus, Rex Ronin, Experimental Surgeon, and Captain Novelin. Some of these you may recognize as games that Zach decided to stick me with with my Retro Rewind. I've only stuck you with two of them. You were the one that gave me Rex Ronin. Yes, and one of these games was a game that I would give back as a revenge. Each game touched upon a specific health topic. Uh, Packy and Marlin and Captain Novelin dealt with diabetes. Bronchi the Bronchosaurus was about asthma. And Rex Ronin, experimental surgeon, was about the dangers of smoking. We've already touched upon a few of these games in our Retro Rewind in the past episodes, and we will be talking about one of them later in this episode. But to let people know who haven't listened to those episodes, Episodes. Captain Novelin in the game, you play as a superhero with diabetes. Captain Novelin must stop the evil alien Blubber Man and rescue the mayor. And you have to monitor your blood glucose levels while doing so. It is a side scrolling platform. That's bad. The sprite is too large and like your character doesn't jump high enough. It's bad. Packy and Marlin, this game, you have two diabetic elephants and you must remind them to eat healthy and take their medication. At the end of the game, you have to face bosses who try to force you to eat sugary junk food, just like in America. And it's a platformer where you play as the elephants. Now, Rex Ronin, experimental surgeon, deals with a surgeon who goes deep inside the body of a lifelong smoker to fight cancers and robots. It is also a platformer and you can listen to Zach's critique of it in last episodes, it's real bad. I think it's I think it's worse than Captain Novelin, because I've played Captain Novelin. I, I was going to say, I don't know if it's worse than Captain Novelin, but I haven't played it, and I played Captain Novelin, so like I'm biased towards Captain Novelin being pretty bad, but Zach's played both. Pretty sure it's worse than Captain Novelin, for my opinion. And then there's Bronchi the Bronchosaurus, which is another platformer, so they've made all platformers, really. Well, they published all platformers, and it's about a dinosaur who has asthma. We'll talk about it later as it was my retro rewind, but I have a surprise for you about that game and we'll get there. And now each of these games are a bit different in terms of how they play and how they were like even, they didn't all have the same graphics. They had varying different graphics. They're like the sprites were all different sizes. And I believe they were all done by different actual developers, which is why some of them were good and some of them were not good. Yeah. So like Packy and Marlin was developed by WaveQuest. And I think also Bronchi was developed by WaveQuest. And then Rex Ronan and Captain Novelin were developed by Sculptured Software. So I guess WaveQuest was talented <laughs> WaveQuest knew what they were doing sculpture software not so much but they were all platformers and they all had different messages well i mean except for packy and marlin and captain Novelin kind of had the same message but they you know they presented the message in different formats now, Packy Marlin was actually kind of an interesting and fairly important game for the history of therapeutic video games and health gaming, which in the 90s was something that was brand new, so it wasn't like massive industry. Packy Marlin was part of a six-month study in 1997 on behalf of Click Health by researchers at Stanford University's medical school. In the study, they looked at 59 diabetic children ages 8 to 16 and found that after playing the game, the children were four times less likely to require urgent care visits than children who played other games. Another study, which was conducted over three months, found that kids who played the game 
decreased their diabetic-related emergency room visits by 77%, which those are pretty good stats, um, I I will say, as someone who uh, had a psych minor and took a very long course on research psychology. 59 children is not a very big sample size but still pretty decent um especially over the course of like a a six month period i feel like that's a decent chunk of data you can look at and make some uh, inferences over but um it'd be kind of interesting to see it kind of on a larger scale what something like paki and marlin could have done while doing some research on rea systems i will be honest it was kind of hard to find a lot of detail about their company Uh, mostly it's just it's not as plentiful or available as one might have hoped but uh i did find a series of small business loan requests requests that were filed on behalf of Rea Systems and archived on the U.S. Small Business Administration website. Rea Systems actually put in a handful of these, not just for the four games, but there was other projects they were working on at the time that they uh, would file for loan requests and grant requests and such. One of these was an abstract I found for a game that I can kind of infer to be Rex Ronan, as it was about smoking and (laughs) dealing with smoking in your teens. Uh, There was also another one that was about uh, managing unmanaged diabetes. And I think it's really interesting that these abstracts, they don't focus on the game in their abstracts. They are focused solely on the theme. So like the abstract for Rex Ronan is starts off with stats about teenage smoking. It leads into how, uh, you know, children can get into smoking very easily through media and advertising. And then it goes into the details about how in the example for Rex Ronan, quote, an estimated 40 million U.S. households have a Nintendo system. And I think it's kind of interesting to see just how Rhea was trying to craft this message in that they they knew what once they could get this video game out there, it, it would hit a large audience. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily sell. 40 million copies but it would hit a large audience be by being available and i think that's what was likely one of the reasons they were able to get these games out the door um they were awarded all the funding that i saw um so it was pretty good to see um and i think raya was really just focused on health and i think that was kind of what makes them a unique company especially to talk about on a video game podcast you know they weren't a company that started off to revolutionize the game industry or by some guy who had a feud with another person and started their own game company sort of deal uh, this was someone who legitimately wanted to make a difference in the world and wanted to focus on health and educational material for children and you know even if the games kind of suck i think that's a admirable thing to have raya systems would eventually change their name to health hero network and it looks like the company is still around in some capacity though i don't think they're building video games and such anymore they were according to the website crunchbase acquired by the global tech firm bosch in 2008 so they are a subsidiary of bosch at this point but uh, around in some capacity some bosch also make like dishwashers bosch makes everything they're just a massive tech firm i think uh, i think part of part of the reason why maybe the games were not necessarily the best type of games uh we some of them weren't was maybe because it was a non-profit people writing grants for a number that they thought was possibly the number that they needed and then it ended up not being enough money kind of thing right yeah i assume the way these games would work without you know sitting in the chair at Rea systems is they would come up with the abstract they would submit for the grant or the loan get the grant or the loan and then commission the developer to make the game and right th- they would be like here's fifty thousand dollars that we got from the government please make a game and there and the developer was like that's not enough money <laughs> <laughs> right but we'll do something for you <laughs> to get that fifty thousand dollars and then Rea systems was like 
All right, we'll publish this. And that's going to be our Raya system episode. It's going to be short. It's like a well, it's like a classic gaming blurbs. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing is with these games, they kind of have a bad rep. Captain Novelin and Rex Ronan are particularly negative games. I think they score like one stars in... They're not good games. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Packy Marlin and Bronchi the Brachiosaurus, uh, which Seth will talk about, um, have a bit more of a positive legacy to them, especially with Packy Marlin and being involved in the uh, the studies that it was part of. And it was also uh, a game that was tested through uh, a hospital system, Kaiser Hospitals at the time, which, you know, I think they might have had a bit more ambition with those games. And maybe Captain Ovalin and Rex Ronan, without knowing, might have been kind of the, well, we got to do two more games sort of deal. Yeah, I could go into to, we can get into our retro rewind and I'll just continue to talk about Raya Systems games. Um, so I had Bronchi the Bronchosaurus as assigned by Zach from last episode and I enjoyed this game more than Mighty Max, which was the game that I volunteered myself to play. Bronchi the Bronchosaurus was developed by WaveQuest and was published by Raya Systems. The game has you play as a dinosaur who has asthma and is armed with a feather duster. And you have to jump around the level, avoiding hazards like smoke and pollen and to avoid lowering your breath ability, your lung capacity, as it were. Because you also, you're, you have abilities to jump, hit things with your feather duster, and you also have the ability to make a puff of air. But you have to collect lungs. So the more lungs that you collect, the more puffs of air that you can make. But if you hit an obstacle, your lung capacity decreases and your puffs of air become smaller. Which is, like, what happens with asthma. I mean, beyond puffs of air, I don't think... Like Zach's going around blowing on people. You also have to answer questions about living with asthma throughout the game. At the beginning of the level, it does give you the answers, so you don't have to like think too hard about the questions that they ask you. But if you're a child, you're you may not be retaining what's on the loading screen, and uh, it may be difficult for you to answer. It is a mascot platformer, but probably the best mascot platformer that I've played by Raya Systems. I the only game that I haven't played by them is Pocky and Marlin and Rex Ronan, but I don't I don't think I need to play Rex Ronan to know that it's bad. And honestly, if I had asthma in 1995 and when the game came out and I was a young child with it, uh, I think it would have been a pretty cool game. Uh, I think that it would have uh, helped me understand different things that were going on with asthma in a, with me having asthma in a clear way. Because it talks about like peak capacity and why you need to like use your inhaler, when you need to use your inhaler, if you're starting to have a fit, what you should do, how do you use your inhaler, which I think would all be used very helpful information to somebody who's like maybe 10 years old and has asthma and doesn't really necessarily understand it. I am really bad with understanding, though, like what age children comprehend things at nowadays. So, like, if I say 10, you're like, no, a 10-year-old would understand it. I don't know, maybe 6, 10, 12? I don't know what the age is, but whatever age is your kid in a video game can explain something to you better than real life can, then that's, that's the age that I mean. And I actually really liked it. So, when I say I really liked it, I mean that I, I, I've played much worse games than it and i think that it holds up as an educational game uh should you run out immediately and check it out uh no but if you want a fun romp and an edutainment type style of game or you want to check out a Raya systems game this one's pretty good compared to the other edutainment games that they published and is actually a fun platformer i don't have anything really negative to say about it except that maybe like uh the boss fights are a little obtuse and the music is yeah the music's all right but after hearing it after a while it's a little annoying but it's 
the changes at least like it, you start out in the city and you have two levels and then you have to go to the boss fight and then you have um then you go to like a, a lake or something the outdoors next week zach um we're gonna get away from Raya systems actually and you can play pajama sam no need to hide when it's dark outside all right cool Seth had me play Olympic Summer Games for the Super Nintendo. This was a sports game for the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, and it was released in 1996 and developed by Tier Text Design Studios, and I hate it. I hate it so much. In the game, you have different events that you must compete in, uh, such as pole vault, high jump, 100 meter sprint, and skeet shooting. Uh, the first one is a 100 meter sprint, and I couldn't get past it because <laughs> I didn't quite know what to do because the game doesn't tell you what to do. Did you read the manual? I could have read the manual, but here's the thing. In pretty much every other sports game I've ever played on either the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo, it at least tells you what buttons to press. This game does not tell you anything. That's not my only problem. My other problem is just it's it's an atrocious looking game. It has terrible music. Uh, it, the music sounds like someone just discovered a keyboard for the first time and just starts banging on it. And that's like the music the whole time. It, it just it's it's just it's just not good. Yeah, it's just a bad game. I didn't like it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. That's okay, Seth. Next week, you can play Doom Troopers for the Super Nintendo. I think Doom Troopers is actually part of the uh, Mutant Chronicles franchise uh, slash Doom Troopers collectible card game. Cool. I'm looking forward to playing Doom Troopers. Play the Super Nintendo version because apparently the second version is bad. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for another classic episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. We love doing these episodes. And if you loved this episode on Raya Systems, let us know. If you have a favorite Raya Systems game out of the four of them, let us know. If you were part of that Packy and Marlin study, let us know. I'd be curious. Um, but in any case, you can email ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com. You can also email us via our website, ClassicGamingBrothers.com, if you use the contact form uh, that sends us an email. Uh, you can also listen to our podcast on the website, and you can, of course, listen to our podcast where all podcasts can be found. Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, CastBox, whatever. We're there. You can also... Follow us, like us, tweet at us, do all those things because we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch are Classic Gaming Brothers. Twitter, CG Brothers Pod. And uh, with that, that's all I have to say. Seth, is there anything you want to contribute to this conversation? Don't play games like my brother. And do not play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I have been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, that's right. right. Oh, we should have mentioned that we're going to be at PAX. Oh, well, too late. (laughs) 